0: and get as obsessed as I am about these absolute legends of the mythological world. Gosh, it's almost the end of the year, but it's truly miserable in the UK at the moment, so it does bring the mood down a little bit. But I'm very, very excited for this episode, because the monsters of this week are my mythological namesake, and are from my favourite mythology, so I really hope you're excited as well for this one. So what am I talking about? It's the Irene's from Greek mythology. They are also known as the Furies, if you don't know them by their Greek name. And they can dwindle between a god and a monster, making them a pretty good candidate for an interesting Myth Monsters episode. The Irene's are three minor Chthonic goddesses within the Greek pantheon. What does Chthonic mean, I hear you say? Well, it means that they are bound to the underworld and the darkness, and are some of the oldest deities within Greek myth. The goddesses' names were Megara, Electo, and Tisiphone, and they were the goddesses of vengeance. They are usually described in a few different ways, but they are always humanoid women, usually though pretty horrific, with hair full of writhing snakes like gorgons, bat-like wings, dark sunken eyes that are dripping with blood, and mouths that breathe fire, plague, or famine. They're also said to have skin filled with corruption, and very pallid looking, whilst wearing hooded robes that drip with blood. The Furies are well known for carrying funeral torches, and as well as this, their preferred victims were barbed whips in order to torture their victims, but they were very often seen having snakes just being on their person, or having almost snake belts and braces. So what do they actually do as Goddesses of Vengeance? The three Fury Sisters all had their own specialisations, with Megara being the Punisher of Jealousy, Electo the Punisher of Anger, and Tisiphone the Punisher of Murderers. However, they were mostly used as a collective by the more powerful pantheon of Greek gods to avenge wrongdoings to them, for example, oath-breaking, but also mostly familial murder, which is a big no-no in the ancient Greek world. Of course, with familial murder, it's not someone you're familiar with, it's your family that you are killing. The other main task was to torture the worst of the worst that had already passed on to the other side. They often lived in Erebus and Tartarus, which are the deepest and darkest parts of the Greek underworld. Now, I'm going to do a quick summary of the Greek underworld So, it's that you have five levels, and you will be organised into one for the good, bad, or average deeds that you did in life when you died. There's Elysium for the warriors, with the River of Forgetting, the Lethe, running through it. Asphodel for the average person, a lush field of poppies where you could basically live out your life again. Tartarus for the evil and wicked, a rocky, dark place where the fiery lake of Phlegathon ran and Erebus, the darkness of the underworld, a land of nothingness and an empty black void. There's also the house of Hades, where the god of the dead lives and sentences mortals to their level of the underworld, but we're not actually entirely sure where it sits in the underworld itself, so we'll count it as an extra level. The Iranese would live between the darkness of Erebus and the tortured souls of Tartarus when they were not in the surface hunting mortals, and they would antagonise shades who committed the worst of crimes, with words of hatred, resetting their eternal punishments, driving them mad, or just mutilating them with their whips or other weapons. I'll talk about specific people that they torture later on, who you will recognise if you're a Greek mythology fan like I am. On the surface though, They were relentless in their pursuit of vengeance, not justice, for crimes such as perjury, mistreatment of elders or parents, Xenia, which is the law of hospitality, disrespect of the gods, mistreatment of holy people, but most of all, murder in any fashion, and they would hunt them down till the end of time, making them some of the scariest monsters to ever exist within mythology to the common man. They would try and drag their prey back to the underworld for a lifetime of torture, and if they couldn't catch them there and then, they would make sure to at least maim their target or drive them mad. You can also swear the Furies to attack someone as a person on the surface, so that's pretty cool too, but if you are found to be incorrect or just lying about them, they'll take you instead. They would also be able to invoke curses and plague, and prevent people from learning too much about the future, as well as taking away a person's reason, fertility or power, or making them blind or mad. Probably the question you're thinking is, are they evil then? Not really. Whilst there is a certain darkness to the Chthonic gods, they were created to do a job. The Irenees were formed from the blood spilt from the death of the Titan Uranus, when he was castrated by his son Kronos, which if you know anything about Greek mythology and how the whole Greek world formed, they were the original gods. When the blood hit the sea, the Irines sprung forth from their mother, the earth titan Gaia, who was actually the personification of earth, and alongside the Irines sprung the Meliae, the tree nymphs, and the goddess Aphrodite, who formed separately from the sea foam from the genitals being cast into the sea, rather than the blood itself, therefore relating her to sexual organs and love and lust. They were born from pure violence, but sometimes it's told that they were born from the dark, by the Chthonic goddess Nyx, goddess of the dark, and Erebus themselves, which, if you remember, I said as a location in the underworld before, but it's actually, as Gaia is, the personification of Dark, and so is technically a living primordial being. And possibly one of the oldest being alive, one of the first sprung from primordial chaos like his sister, Nyx. Yeah, unfortunately incest is a real big thing in Greek mythology. But either way, the sister goddesses were born from either god bloodshed or the embodiment of darkness combined. So, You can certainly see why they are perceived as evil, but realistically, they are just a necessary evil into the world to avenge the crimes that people have committed, and especially mortals have committed. Onto etymology, though, we're not entirely sure what Irines actually means in ancient Greek, but it's thought that it comes from the name Eris, who was the goddess of Discord, and another one of Nyx's children and her name very literally means discord in Greek. But, there's also another word, orenin, which means to raise, stir, or excite, and this is sometimes thought of as the core within this name too. All three goddesses' names have their own etymology as well, with megara meaning jealous rage, Electo meaning endless anger, and Tisiphone meaning vengeful destruction. One note here that you might be thinking is about Megara. Now this is not the same Megara from the myth of Heracles, they just have a very similar name with a very similar spelling and she is not Heracles' wife, they are two different characters. There's an extra E in Megara's name in the Fury side, so that's how you can differentiate the two. We can talk about the English version of the name, which is the Furies, however It's not massively interesting, that's about all I have to say on it, it means anger. Another Greek name though is Eumenides, which means the gracious or kindly ones, which might sound a little bit weird given their reputation. But this was the name that was spoken by mortals, as to call them by their real name was to invoke their attention. Much like Hades never being referred to as Hades, he was referred to as Pluton, or the rich one. For their history, though, they're from ancient Greece, so we know that they are really, really old. But most Greek myths come from plays and books written by worshippers of these gods, and the Irenes are no exception. They were first mentioned, at least as far as we know, in the Iliad, which is an epic poem written by Homer in around the 8th century BC, or around 800 BC, which was a very long time ago. This epic poem gives us most of our information about Greek myths and monsters, but they are mentioned throughout Greek theatre and text, and one of the most famous mentions was Aeschylus, who wrote about the tragic hero Orestes. I'll give you a summary of this story. Orestes was the son of King Agamemnon and Queen Clytemnestra of Mycenae, and after his father returns from the Trojan War, his mother decides to kill his father, committing the horrid sin of Mariticide, because he sacrificed their daughter for good winds to sail to Troy with. Pretty insane, yes. The Irenes come to hunt for Clytemnestra, but Orestes beats them to it, killing his mother and committing matricide, meaning that the Irenes turn their vengeance towards him. Orestes is told by Apollo, god of prophecy, that to escape this torture, he must go to Athens to be heard by Athena, goddess of wisdom in a trial. The Irenes pitch their case to Athena, but she decides to acquit Orestes, and the Irenes threaten Athena with torturing the city of Athens and poisoning the ground around it in vengeance. Athena instead gives them new roles as protectors of justice rather than vengeance, and protectors of Athens itself. she does also threaten them that she could just zap them with one of her dad zeus's lightning bolts as she knows where he keeps them and the Irenes are then instated as protectors and are then honored by the people i won't spoil the rest of orestes myth you can look it up but another greek hero that they come into contact with is oedipus the blind king of thebes after his very tragic life of killing his father having children with his mother, poking his eyes out and walking around Europe and the Middle East for years, Oedipus finally finds a place to die in Colonus, which was sacred to the Irenes. He is told to leave out of fear of him cursing the grounds, because generally he's pretty cursed, but Oedipus was told in a prophecy that he would die in the Irenes' sacred grounds. The citizens of Colonus very much want to get rid of Oedipus and the curse that he carries with him, and doesn't want to bring on the wrath of the Irenes, but Oedipus tells his tragic story to them, and in pity, in order to bypass any curse or vengeance by the Irenes, they make him a citizen, so to welcome him into the land, and for him to be able to die in peace. He does eventually die, watched by the Irenes in their sacred grove, and his children go on to, well, murder themselves, driven by no other than Tisiphone herself. Tisiphone also went on to get another famous hero, Tydeus, to eat the brains of one of his enemies, which led to Athena, his patron, leaving him to die of his injuries in disgust, and led to a very short end to a hero none of us have really heard about. The Irenes also had a hand in the fall of Troy, because of course they did, everyone did, with Electo specifically being told by Zeus to prevent the Trojans from entering the Latin territory. This isn't Latin America, this is a Grecian place called Latin. She would disguise herself as various women, trying to convince their husbands to fight against the Trojans, including King Turnus, the king of a local kingdom, who very much figured her out and ended up mocking her, and so she cursed him with constant warmongering blood. She ended up being really frustrated with Zeus's lack of commitment to starting the war without enough strife or blood going on, and so she actually told him she would manage this herself, and the Trojan War was begun by her sister Eris. Lastly, I said I would give you some examples of the souls within Tartarus that they would enjoy torturing. One of these was Sisyphus, the king of Corinth, who cheated death twice, and so was hated by everyone in the underworld, including Hades and even death itself, Thanatos. His eternal punishment is very well known, and it's that he has to push a boulder to the very top of a mountain, only for just as he gets there, the boulder will fall back down again. The Irenes loved this punishment, and would very often go to watch his eternal struggle of dishing out whippings and throwing insults at him, while sometimes even resetting the punishment so that he'd have to push it all the way up again, only for it to come crashing back down. Another one is Prometheus, who doesn't technically get punished within the underworld, but on the top of Mount Elbrus. He was a titan who stole fire for mortals, and therefore was punished by having his liver eaten by an eagle every day, only for it to grow back overnight, and the cycle to continue. The Irenes again, mostly just like to insult and watch Prometheus, but sometimes would throw a whip or two out just to add to the insult. Now, there are no real-life comparisons I can make to these monsters, as really the question is, are they really monsters? Should I have included them in an episode? Or are they just goddesses who look like them and punish the people who deserve it and commit atrocious acts? That is a question for the ages, but of course it means that we don't have our usual what-could-they-be section. They are goddesses, so it is tricky and frankly disrespectful to compare them to anything we have on this mortal plane. Now the answer to why I've included them in this episode, or in the running I suppose of the podcast, is that they are monstrous enough to be included within this, and they don't have the typical radiant description that a god within these type of pantheons would have. It's not like we're looking at someone like Loki in Norse mythology, where we could realistically describe him as a frost giant, and then talk about all of the deeds that may have led to godly incidences. The difference with the Irene's is that they actively hunted mortals a lot of the time, and so makes sense to be included within a monster podcast. Whilst we still of course respect that they are goddesses and they all have a job to do. It is the misfortune of looking at the Greek gods, for example, who were very much designed to be a reflection of the human condition, and they are no different. In terms of mythical comparison, though, we can bring in some gods that are very similar, such as Eris, who we mentioned, the goddess of discord, who had bat-like wings and was also born from this darkness. She was responsible for the entire Trojan War, and revelled in humans killing each other, for revenge or not. She is technically their sister in some tellings if you go down the Erebus-Nyx parentage. Speaking of which, another is Nemesis, the goddess of hubris and avenger of crime, making her the very good version of the Irenes. She is another daughter of Nyx, and is where the word nemesis comes from in English, but she could definitely be seen as a mirror image of the Irines for this. Unrelated to Greek mythology, I can't help but relate them to the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Yes, I know there are only three of them, but I feel like they would be the ones riding in to destroy the human race in the end days, with their wings and whips and breaths of destruction. I can imagine these cambion-like women on horses in the sky, ready to bring us all to justice, or just avenge our forgetting of their pantheon, I suppose. Lastly, I want to talk about some sanctuaries that you can still go and visit today if you wanted to, such as in Athens, they had a temple near the Aeropagus, where murderers were trialled, and acquitted defendants were expected to leave offerings to them. Another is in Colonus, where Oedipus died, if you remember, and in the centre was a grove that no one was allowed to enter, as it was said to be his hidden resting place that no one outside of Theseus the hero could know. But they also had temples in Sion, Serenia and Urethae, in Arcadia and Megalopolis, as well as a festival called Eumenidaea, where there would be flower garlands, Nephalia, which is where wine is forbidden, and Pregnant animal sacrifices, which is the real bad part of this. But moving on to modern media, there is so little with these ladies in, so I've put in the best I can, but realistically, not many tropes suit them either, so it's a bit tricky, and it might feel a little less than usual today. For art, have a look at The Remorse of Orestes by William Adolphe Bourgeot, from 1862, for a beautiful version of the Iranese. Or you can also look at Orestes Pursued by the Furies by Karl Rahal, from around 1850, for a fantastic portrait of them. Otherwise, I'd really recommend checking out the art from Hades, the video game, for some really great modern art of these ladies, and otherwise independent as always. In movies, we have Percy Jackson, The Lightning Thief, the Gorgon, and a Wounded fawn. For TV we have Once Upon a Time, For the Love of Zeus, Charmed, Xena the Warrior Princess, and The Twilight Zone. In video games we have ones such as God of War Ascension, Hades, Percy Jackson the Lightning Thief, God of Olympus, and the Twelve Labours of Hercules. Now both Hades and God of War are big recommendations because there's a lot of content in there for them as they are major characters within these series but Hades is also a fantastic video game so I will always recommend this. My book recommendation though of course is Mythos by Stephen Fry because it's a fantastic book on Greek myth but I'd also recommend Greek Myths Meet the Heroes, Gods and Monsters of Ancient Greece by Jean Menzies because all of her mythology books are excellent. I will recommend them forever with Greek mythology. But now it's time for, do I think they existed? Well, this one is interesting because this segment is called, do I think they existed? Me, Erin, your host. And it's difficult this week because I follow Greek religion as a Hellenic pagan. And so I do believe that Irenes exist with absolutely no question. I truly do believe that if I ever did commit murder, that Tisiphone would be the bane of my afterlife. However, looking at it from a diplomatic view, it's difficult to believe because we just don't know what happens after death. These goddesses are realistically bound to the underworld, which is something most of us would experience after death, maybe bar Hercules or Orpheus, and so none of us know if there even is an afterlife, or if there are gods or a god to greet us at any pearly gates we believe in. Outside of that, when they hunt down on the surface, you could realistically think of them as the personification of guilt or the feeling of injustice. So realistically, that feeling can just follow you around and eat away at you for your entire life. Interestingly though, growing up within a Western and mostly Christian-influenced country, the idea of hell and Satan and his band of demons torturing you for eternity is very common and really the furies are just the greek religion ideal of this but just for very specific crimes so yes i am slightly biased but we've never covered a greek god slash monster before so it is new ground but an interesting concept i never usually talk about my religion either so it's always nice to put something personal in this segment and people are usually interested by it i suppose but what do you think Did the iranies hunt down family killers? Let me know on Twitter, I would love to know what you think. I'm so glad we could cover these. I've been waiting for so long to bring them up within the podcast, as they are one of my absolute favourite deities. Although, as always, a tricky one to balance between monster and god, and certainly an argument that I love to discuss. Next week, we are heading over to Malay folklore though, to have a look at a really strange creature. We are buzzing and hopping along with a grasshopper spirit with the Pelicit next Thursday. For now though, thank you so much for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give it a rating on the service you are listening on. And I've got the Twitter for any questions or suggestions on what monsters to cover next. And I'd really love to hear from you. The social media handles for TikTok, YouTube, Threads and Instagram are Myth Monsters Podcast. And the Twitter is Myth Monsters Pod. But all of our content can be found at mythmonsters.co.uk and you can find us on Good Pods, buy me a coffee and Patreon if you want to help me fund the podcast too. Come join the fun though, share this with your pals, they might love me as much as you do. But for now, stay spooky and I'll see you later babes.